mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today's guest is Z. They are a psychic medium, officially refer to themselves as a intuitive clairaudient medium and an Akashic record consultant. Z began to notice a palpable energy surrounding them when they became pregnant with their youngest child in 2015. With such acute awareness of what they were feeling, but not quite sure what was happening, Z sought the guidance of a powerful seer. With his help, Z began to discover and develop their own psychic gifts, abilities, and their purpose in this lifetime. As an intuitive, clear audience healer, able to tap into the cosmic frequency of the Akashic records, Z is able to channel past lives, access ancestral and generational pain and trauma, and preview future possibilities in order to bring long-term healing and peace. Hey everyone! I'm really excited to let you know about the science and spirituality salons I'm now hosting. During these intimate events, a scientifically verified psychic medium will give all of you readings, and I will give a talk on the science and evidence that changed my mind about an afterlife. This will also be an amazing opportunity to get to meet some of you in person or virtually and to share more about all the science and data that transformed my worldview and got me through my worst days. These can be hosted in your home, in a nearby cafe with a private room, or they can even be virtual. I've hosted a few already and they were really special, fascinating, emotional, evidential. So if you're interested in getting a small group together over dinner, brunch, drinks, coffee, to learn more about the science and to get evidential medium readings, send me an email at hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put science and spirituality in the title. Welcome to What the Fuck Just Happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a sciencey skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away 
by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? This episode definitely needs a content warning. We discuss sexual assault and murder. So listen with care. It's also a very, very interesting episode. We do discuss the accountability people who commit crimes such as that have on the other side. And, you know, there's a lot of depth to our conversations around those topics, but we get into them, including describing a not in too much detail. Z is very respectful and careful to bring up the topics, but they do bring up a specific incident as well as getting into these topics in a more theoretical manner. Overall, though, it's not a super dark episode. Z is pretty funny and we do get really deep and we talk about other things as well. So listen with care. Hi everyone, today I have a guest, Z. They are a psychic medium and they can take it away and describe themselves better. <laughs> hey everybody, I'm Z. As mentioned, I am a psychic medium who is also a Reiki master and teacher. I read tarot as well. I'm a clairaudience healer, which means that I can hear spirit clearly, almost like they're chatting in my ear. Um, and I've been doing this work now about seven-ish years after like a really intense spiritual awakening. So yeah, there we are. That's me in a nutshell. First of all, what was the intense spiritual awakening that you had? So as a non-binary person, I've always known that like I wanted to have children, whatever that meant, like parenting, right? But I never wanted to carry. That was always something that was like really foreign and just didn't feel aligned. But after watching my ex-wife carry our twins and being really invested in that process, right? Like drawing the boards every day and, you know, oh, babies this size and whatever. I started having like this intense sensation and need to like want to carry. And through that process, for the first time in my life, I had like really paid attention to my physical being, right? And through that process, like really taking care of myself, what I was eating, why it was important, and just maybe fully for the first time in my life, like unselfishly managing the world around me. And it heightened my senses and my awareness. And I started feeling all sorts of weirdness and anxiety that wasn't mine and things like that. And so after I had my son who was born almost three months early. I think that the day that he was born, I you think you pray, right? But like you don't pray until you're in those situations. And I, I probably prayed the fullest prayer I'd ever prayed in my life. And I something happened where I was like washed over in this golden light while in the delivery room. And I just knew it was something different, but I had no idea what it was. And over the next year, I started having these really strange 
what I would call like energetic experiences, numbers showing up everywhere or feeling like someone's calling my name and no one's saying anything or knowing something about someone and having no idea who they are and regurgitating it and, and being having confirmation, right? So I started going to a therapist about like this weird anxiety and, and what was happening. And she said, you know, after a couple of weeks, like you have a lot of awareness, you should probably check in with an energy worker. Like maybe it's like stuck energy. So I was like, all right, cool. Started doing some research and got uh, addicted to reading these like psychic, uh, psychic predictions from this guy, Eric Pink, who is phenomenal. And the accuracy was unreal. And so I booked a reading. And the first thing that he said to me was, you know, those strange things that you've been hearing and feeling that spirit, you're clear audience. And I was like, what, what does that mean? You know? And he gave me three very clear examples in my life. And, you know, to be frank, they were the, the three times that I tried to take my life. Right. And he gave me those examples and, and he was very clear. Like it wasn't anything that you could Google. You can find that information about me anywhere. Right. And he knew. And so I believed him and he said, meditate and they'll, and they'll show themselves. And I did the next three days. I meditated like all day. I kid you not. That's what it felt like. And nothing happened. Nothing. I couldn't get my mind still. Fourth day, I came home from work. I had a terrible day. I got reprimanded, you know, like all this craziness. And I get into the shower. I'm like, nobody talk to me. Leave me alone. I got three infants at home, like a wife yelling at me. And I jump in the shower. And I, if I'm being honest, I don't know what happened. I just, that same golden light from the day that my son was born washed over me and I heard it so clearly, like the whole left side of my body started vibrating and I heard, you know, we're here, we've always been here. And it was like external, but internal, like I don't know how else to describe that. Like I knew it wasn't me, but it was my own voice. And I was like, just pretty immediately, like we, like who the hell is we, you know, in my head. And it was like, Susan, James, Kyle, and I just, I knew it was real. And I dropped to my knees and I started sobbing. And all I could do was say like, thank you, 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 thank you. And of course, you know, my whole life I've been the skeptic. So when I recognize what's happening, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Right? And so, Hence the name. <laughs> like, what, what the hell? And so I like screamed immediately for my wife, right? I was like, Chris, Chris, my, I can see my heart pounding out of my chest, right? Cause like I'm having this recognition of some crazy shit just went down. And so she comes in and she's got this like look on her face, like a deer in headlights. And she's like, what is wrong with you? And I just grabbed her hand and like throw it on my chest. And I'm like, today is Thursday. It's 6.30 PM. I have four children. I list all of their names. I'm like, this is what happened at work. This is their birthday. It's like everything. I'm like, I'm not crazy, but I heard something and it was real. And she looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> like, like I was out of my freaking mind. And I say that because I have a history, uh, you know, psychiatric stuff, right? And I come from a family who also has a history of, of psychosis and paranoid delusional like schizophrenia. And so it was terrifying to her and to me to be hearing these things, but recognizing I know where I am, who I am, who I'm with, who's around me, like I'm not crazy. And from that day, it just started showing up people I'm connected with, experiences, and it all sort of wove together. And I recognize this has been happening my whole life. I just didn't know. First of all, thank you for being so open about the difficult parts of your story. I'm going to ask you, and actually this is something if you prefer not to answer, just tell me you don't want to answer this, but you mentioned that you have had a history of 
psychosis in your family and you've dealt with it yourself. There's actually Yale is, I believe it's called the COPE Project, is doing a study and they've studied people who I believe struggle with mental illness and hear voices versus psychic mediums. Mm -hmm. And I am going to have to look into this a lot more, but I believe they were finding differences. Since recording this, I have learned a lot more about the research being conducted on psychic mediums and mental illness and the differences between the two that is being conducted by Yale University COPE Project. And I had one of the co-directors of the project on this podcast, and that is episode 59 Yale University COPE Project co-director, psychic medium and therapist, Brittany Quogon, MSLPC. And you can listen to that to learn more about this topic and research. It's really fascinating. And often these abilities are dismissed as a form of mental illness. May I ask what as someone who's experienced both, what are the differences and how can you tell the differences? That is a really excellent question. I can speak from my own personal experience only, right? Like this is not for everyone. I know that I had full conscious awareness of everything that was happening. Right. And I made that very clear. Like I was saying, you know, I know today's date. I know today's time. Like I'm not in some far off delusional place. Right. And I think another thing that was very, very helpful was validation of some of the experience and some of the things that I was saying. If your grandmother who passed is over my shoulder and she's telling me things that there's no way in hell that I would know about you, like you can't overlook that. You, you, you just can't. It's not fair in the process of discerning whether or not someone is mentally ill or whether or not someone is receiving messages from the other side, which, which is real. I mean, and, and we're talking about like how energy works, right? So it is possible in the grand scheme of improbabilities and possibilities, right? That we could connect with the other side. So as someone who has suffered from mental illness and recognizing what was happening for me then when I was channeling versus when I was having an episode, there was, I was fully lucid. I remember every piece of when I was experiencing some sort of spiritual experience versus the moments where I was really not well and I was really depressed and I was in a manic episode or whatever. I don't remember a lot of that or it's kind of piecemeal. I describe it as kind of like browning out when you're drinking, right? <laughs> I remember this bit, but not the 10 minutes that comes after it. Like half of college. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is Psychiatrically, science is moving a lot towards somatic healing and what energy does and how energy is stored in the body and what that means and being able to decipher that, right? I like to call us records and the doctors are sort of like record players and they're trying to figure out what all of these little lines mean within our, our psyche. And so when you're looking at doctors who are just like, 
glancing over something and saying, nope, you're exhibiting this, 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 and this without actually looking deeper, asking fuller questions to be able to discern when this happened to you or you had this experience. Where were you? What time was it? Who were you? Like the things that matter, you know, to, to really figure out if someone is is lucid or or not. And so I think a lot of it is like, oh, past practice, you're exhibiting this, so it must be this. But I think a lot of doctors now are really understanding a lot of therapists and psychiatrists that energy has its place in psychiatry and how our body stores energy and what it does to our emotional and our spiritual and energetic beings and how that stagnation and energy can manifest physically for us also. It sounds like the therapist you went to was so intelligent. That was something I was going to comment on that they, I don't know, he, her, I don't, I don't know what you, but that they said to see an energy worker, because I think that there's been a lot of stigma against that stuff in therapy and in, especially, well, my mom's a psychoanalyst and that culture overall thinks afterlife stuff is batshit. So I mean, that's something I have been dealing with, with all the adults that have been around my life since I was a little kid. Although some are getting more and more open to this, especially my mom is amazed because of if there's so much data and evidence. Right. So I want to ask you, you said one of the things that makes you know this is real or conclude most likely it's real. Sometimes no can be a strong <laughs> word. But what is an example of a time you just got, holy fuck, evidence? I, I mean, I have a lot of examples. Some are a lot denser and heavier than others, right? But immediately what comes to mind was one of the very first readings I did when I was attuned to the Akashic Records was this woman that randomly found me, you know, on, on the internet and said, my mom could really use a reading. And it was around the holidays. And I was just going to give her a reading, ask her a few questions, which is how I normally set it up, right? You have enough time for about three or four questions. We'll get through what we can. And the second that I walk in and I open the woman's records, I felt, because I like to tell people, it's just a feeling or a sensation, right? I felt the front door open and five people walk in and they refused to let me say anything except for what they were saying. And all of them showed up and gave her all of these confirmations of all these little trinkets and things that I saw. But the one thing that was just like so clear, everything went black in my field of vision. And I was laying on my back and I was freezing cold and I was looking up and I could see the eyes of someone who was hurting me. And I felt the chill all over my body. And I didn't know if it was because this person was hurting me or because physically in that space, I was cold. So I was mentioning all these things and just describing what I could see and feel. And the way they both looked at me, right, was like, I, I can't believe you're saying this. How do you know this? Their, the way that their eyes were peering at me and stuck on me gave me this impression either a I was saying everything they needed to hear or b I was out of my mind and nothing was matching right like that's usually what happens right like I can't decide I just keep giving them the information and to make a long story short the message was it doesn't matter what happened you guys know the truth and what you're saying is true he did it to someone else find who it was right had nothing to do with this family at all. And the image that I was seeing was the, the mom who was getting the reading as a gift. Her sister had been raped and murdered 
during the holiday season and I saw everything. But before she came through, it was very clear to me, these people need to let the shit go and get back together because it's been years of the disconnect and all the sister wants is connection with the family. And some of the things that I said sounded just like her, the way that I described the the perpetrator was it was identical. And then the, the daughter opens up the phone and shows me the article. And even what I said almost verbatim was there. And it was insane. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. Like I was her. And just them showing me the article on the phone and the gentleman looking exactly like he looked, he was in my face, his eyes were locking eyes with me and I felt all of it. And I was able to describe it and just really give this family such intense, much needed healing because they didn't have a lot of the answers, just speculatory. And I confirmed some of their speculations and things like that. And so that has to be one of the most validating experiences for me as far as bringing healing to a family that's really hurting. And also it was the first time that I had experienced mediumship in that way. So clearly five people who refused to let me do anything else, but channel messages for them because this family was in so much pain. It was insane. I mean, loss is just brutal no matter what, but I don't believe in comparison of pain, but that would be, I will speak for myself. I would consider losing a sibling or a spouse or someone or anyone that way significantly harder than my experience of losing my father through a natural illness. So I actually want to ask you, because you're a person, none of us Living people have consciously, as far as we can remember, we can get into past lives discussing this, have experienced murder. Uh, tragically, people have experienced rape and abuse. But so you are literally there experiencing it as a person who went through that. How do you process that? I get asked this question often, and I like to describe it akin to what a doctor does, right? Like, you know that there's going to be times where you're not going to win, essentially, right? Like you're going to feel a certain level of loss, a certain level of pain. But there's also the other part of this where after a while, and I hate saying it this way because it sounds fucked up, but like you're desensitized to certain things, right? And you start to recognize it as a healing experience where you're helping someone and you start to disconnect from it in a certain way. So there is that aspect to it as well. And then there's the other part of it. It's like three pronged, right? Where a lot of the times when I'm channeling energy, dead ass, I don't remember. I don't remember. So in the moment, I'm fully in that sensation. That's what it is. It's a feeling, a vibration, a sensation. I talk about what I'm moving through, what I'm feeling, observing what's going on inside of me, putting that ex externally, and then moving on to the next thing. So lots of times when I connect with people again, a year, maybe two years later, a couple months later, they're like, do you? No, I don't remember <laughs> at all. I'm sorry. It's not personal. It's just when I'm channeling. 
feeling. I'm in, in, in a different frequency and vibration, and I really don't have a lot of conscious awareness. So those are the three parts of it. You do get desensitized to it, right? You do experience the emotion and just move through that and give people the information. And then lastly, like, I don't remember half of it. So, so that's kind of how you stay separate from it. But there are, you know, I'm assuming similar to a doctor, those handful of clients or patients or people that have a massive impact on you and you never shake them. And I, and I think that goes for every profession, right? Not just as a teacher, as a doctor, as a, you know, a, a crossing guard, even you form relationships and bonds and situations happen with certain people that you just can't shake. They stay with you like this specific example of this family. And I, I hit back on it often and a lot to remind me that even when things are really difficult to see, experience, feel, to share, they're important and they can provide healing. So do it. You said with channeling, you don't remember a lot. And then you also said that was the one of the ways, remembering was one of the ways you knew you were genuinely getting information. So what is the difference between the not remembering when you're having one of your mental health issue versus when you're channeling? Even though I don't remember the specifics of the conversation, I do remember the specifics of the energy and the vibration and what I'm feeling, which are two completely different things, right? And that's the thing with consciousness, right? And like, we can all have consciousness. We don't have to be mediums or healers or anything. When you are fully conscious and aware of a situation, you feel every sensation in your body. You may not remember the specifics of the conversation that was going on around you, but you will remember what you felt. And I think it's very similar in, the, in this instance, in this situation where I may not necessarily remember telling somebody to go fuck themselves when I'm really elevated and heated in an argument, but recognizing fully what the sensation was in my body that set me off. And I think it's very similar. So in those moments where I'm like, is this a nervous breakdown or is this me channeling spirit? It's like, what's happening right now? Can I pan out and really take a look? If I have enough conscious awareness to say that to myself, I'm in full recognition of what's happening. If I can't say that to myself and I get fully submerged in whatever sensation or feeling is going on and then black out, that's different. So I may not remember the full conversation or the breath of everything that was said, but I will remember how I felt fully. And lots of times if someone will say, oh, this, this, and this, do you remember? And I'll say, no, sorry. And they'll be like, yeah, you said that you were feeling, boom, it hits immediately. You said you had this feeling in your belly that remind, oh, yep, now I remember. And I'll just go off basically verbatim what I said before, because then it's full channeled energy again. So backing up, you, the first experience you had when you realized you wanted to be pregnant and carry your child and a group of people came in and started saying voices and you gave names like Evelyn. Are those names you recognize? Was it, you're like, oh my God, that's my great grandmother. Or are they names you didn't know? I don't know a Susan. I know a James, two James, but they're my father-in-law and my brother-in-law and they're very alive and fine, <laughs> you know? After I started connecting fully with, with my guides, I started asking a little bit more questions about who they are and why they're with me instead of someone else. And these answers are endless, but essentially 
their names sound really basic because that's how we understand them. They're entities from another space and time. It sounds more like a series of high-pitched frequency beeps and boops, but we wouldn't understand that or be able to call them like that. Like, like we, we can't do that. <laughs> so they give us names that we understand. So some people's guides have very different names for whatever reason. These were the names that I my brain and my heart would process, but I know people whose guides have connected that have very interesting and ethereal sort of sounding names. So they showed up that way so that I would essentially trust them, feel comfortable with them, know that they weren't there to hurt me. If they had like different names, potentially I would think they were a darker entity maybe, or that it wasn't real, or that was their way of connecting with me. Think about how people from other countries are. Sometimes people will give a name that's not their name in their own country. They'll do a translation or you know, even cities that, and countries that should just be the name or have their actual <laughs> name, they get translated like Milano, we call Milan. Same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. So it's the we understand and can call them more easily when we need to. Okay. So you also said that you've had lots of evidential. Do you mind sharing another? Lots of times things things show up and, and you aren't expecting it, right? So like I've had people show up at readings who are expecting, you know, their dad to come through, but their grandmother comes through or their aunt comes through with a really like beautiful message that's much better though than what dad, you know, said. But so I had this one really lovely reading and it was a reading that a, a dad came through and showed a lot of love and affection for, for his daughter who was really suffering at the time. And the first thing that I see when she comes in before I even opened her records, he was like right here. And I see a uniform, like a blue uniform, like a porter or, or like a maintenance guy. And I was like, who's the guy with the uniform? And she immediately went, and I was like, yep. And first he's showing me this uniform, but then he's, I'm smelling leather and Harley Davidson jacket and like boots. She immediately started crying. I was like, oh my God, it's my dad. And like all these things that I said made sense. But the one thing that just made it, it was lovely for, for everyone that was there was when she was little, he used to do this thing where when they were driving or on a road trip or something, he would put his hand behind the seat and tickle her leg or like try and grab her. And there was one point during the session where I went, I don't know why I want to do this, but I just like want to reach back and like tickle you and like laugh with you. And I mean, she just started sobbing. She's like, that was the one thing that I was hoping would come through for me. Like the one thing that like I knew if he was here, he would do it never failed. It never failed. And so it was so validating that when I trust those little nuanced kind of things that you don't expect, you know, people to connect to where you're like, this is so bizarre and so random, but I, I feel like I have to say it. And you do and they start sobbing. You're like, oh, that's that was it. That was it. That was it. So it was really lovely. I have one more that blew my mind. So I attend Burning Man. I love it. It's like one of my favorite things to do because of the freedom and the fluidity that's very connected to energy and being mindful and conscious of what you're doing, thinking, feeling, right? And so I met someone there and we connected over Instagram and she saw the type of work that I do and said, let's connect. This was right before COVID. And she said, my business is taking off. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's happening next, but I, I want to know more about where I'm going to live. And it was just really clear. I saw them, you know, her and her husband 
doing yoga or like Pilates or exercise on the side of like a mountainous cliff overlooking some Caribbean like tropical location, right? Like water and waves. And I had a bird's eye view. And she goes, okay, that's pretty far-fetched. I'm in California right now. (laughs) Like I was in Brooklyn, like no way, nowhere tropical. And then I was like, all right, well, that's what they're showing me. That's all I can say. Fast forward a couple months later, COVID shuts the entire world down. People are able to work from home. And what ended up happening, her and her husband ended up moving to Mexico on a cliffside apartment, being able to work from home and having enough time together to create their own business where as a couple, they train other couples like physical training with other couples and they're like Instagram and stuff is taking off. And she said, Suey, if you wouldn't like, I would have never fucking believed it. Like I would have never believed it. I can show you an Instagram video of them living their best life in Mexico, traveling the world because of all the money that they can save doing the same work that they've been doing in the U S it's so valid. Instagram. It's one centricity, like the number zero, like O N E centricity. They're phenomenal. And I really, I I love to support BIPOC folk when they're doing something different and branching out and also healing because it's not something that we do often. We're not told to heal. We're told to hold it in and keep moving. So I appreciate when people of color and decide that that's the thing that they're going to invest in their own, their own healing and breaking of generational ancestral and karmic bonds and ties. It's huge. I'm very happy to support everything you just said about them. So shout out everyone, follow them. I'm going to follow them. (laughs) You basically told them the future, which how do you think you know the future? Do you think we have choice then or control over making our futures? If you're reading it, it's almost as if we're in a scripted movie with our lives and we have no control. Mm. So what do you think about that? It's a lot more nuanced than people think it is, right? It's not this or that. It's both things existing at the same time, right? So we have a predetermined destination. We have an expiration date. And when we reach that expiration date, we have certain things that are aligned for us. How many children we have, if any, if we've been married, if we have pets, property, all of that, a job, whatever. All of that stuff is predetermined. Yes. But like Pac-Man, right? Figure all those roads available to get to the one safe little space where all the where all the the kitchen is, right? Like all the little things move out of. So I can say run a direct line because this is your final destination. This is the easiest way to get there. And I can say, look, this is what the universe is saying, how you get to your final destination. But you have free will now to take every avenue that runs off that course. So if I say the best, fastest, and easiest way for you to get to your destination is to make zero lefts, zero rights, no matter what happens. But there's a car accident. Some shit went down. And you're like, I don't have time to wait for this shit. I gotta go. And then you make a left. Who knows what's going to happen, how long it's going to take you, how many incidents you're going to come across, characters, personalities, people, shit, right? Other traffic jams that could potentially take you much longer, make it much more complicated, heavy, also, you know, joyous, right? To get to that to that destination. So do we have a predetermined life expiration date end point? Yes. We all do. It's why we choose these lifetimes for our greatest spiritual growth. But can the trajectory 
to get there shift based on our choices, whether we're going to make a right or a left, depending on what we're told to do, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. So can it do, can I tell people the future? Sure. But what you choose to do and how to get to that final point, well, that's on you. I'm going to give you the easiest route. Whether you follow the blueprint or not to reach it, that's up to you. But yes, we do have a predetermined end date, all that life, how we get there is on us. I heard two very interesting descriptions of predicting the future. I'm just curious your thoughts on them. <laughs> One is by a physicist, Claude Swanson, Dr. Claude Swanson, who sadly passed away, but he studies parapsychology. And he said, psychic mediums have essentially a bird's eye view and it would be like your life path it's a bit of probabilities it's like a ball rolling down a path and it's very clear the path the ball's rolling down but there's little branches and weird things like a big wind could brush it off or once in a while the odds like the ball most likely rolling down the hill will follow one path but weird little things can happen it could branch off to the less direct ones and then Lloyd Arbach once said it, it's like there are future predictors already, aside from psychic mediums, like meteorologists. And sometimes they're accurate, but it's all based on probabilities. And if we had a full bird's eye view of the whole world, and we knew what every person's thought was, which psychic mediums have more access to that than the average person, but even a psychic medium doesn't know everybody of what is it now? 7 billion, 8 billion people, all their thoughts, all that was going on everywhere on the planet predicting the future would be really easy because you would know this person's thinking this and they're both going to plan to go there this time and they're really alike and they'll meet and fall most likely fall in love I just thought those were very interesting takes on understanding because time and you know and like I said right that's a lovely thing like neither of them are wrong it just depends on your interpretation what's the probability that like a stick is going to be thrown in the road and what actually is that stick for us this lifetime and and what are we going to do with that are we going to try and align ourselves back on the path or are we just going to let that stick fucking throw us to the other side to the wayside and be like i'm just going to deal with it from here and figure out a new path they're both right they're both absolutely right and that's the thing with the future and you said we have our expiration date is mm-hmm. that always set in stone? I mean, what if someone tragically develops a drinking problem and starts driving drunk? Mm-hmm. That could drastically change their date they pass. Yeah, but they had that expiration day before when they chose this lifetime. They knew they were going to be an alcoholic this lifetime. They wanted this lifetime for their greatest spiritual growth. So they're, and, and the greatest spiritual growth of the people around them as well, right? Because like your father's passing created this intense need to figure out what the fuck is going on out there outside of this realm, the shit we can't see, right? So it's for someone's greatest spiritual growth. So we don't have to come back here and do this BS again, because that's ultimately like from what my guides have shown me, that's what spiritual consciousness is all about. We come into each lifetime, right? After being men in black, because this isn't where we're from. This isn't where we're from at all. We're from somewhere else that we're all just like massive balls of energy that can just recognize each other silently. We don't have to do what we're doing now. And so we go back there going, dang, did I do it? Did I, did I get it this time? Did I, did I get it this time? And they're like, bro, you fucked up again, man. Pick the next one. Let's go. Let's try again. You know? And then you look and you're like, all right, that one's cool. Not That's, that's a lot of pain though. Maybe, maybe next lifetime. All right. That one down there looks cool. Eh. 
I already experienced that. I figured that out. Not hard enough. And then you find the one and you know, I'm going to die at 39 because I really didn't learn the full lesson, but my mom needs to learn it. My sister needs to learn it. And my son needs to learn it. And so here we are. And now three people are growing spiritually because you decided to come back into this lifetime. So they don't have to again. So sometimes our pain and grief and some of the things that we experience this lifetime, we don't remember we've experienced it so many times before just so we can learn it and not come back here. We come back here to just learn lessons and get enlightened. Our, our, we're too dense to stay up there. So they send us back each time. So we learn it. How many lives do you think we all live? It depends. I know I've lived you know, well, I can tell you, my son has lived 1,749 lives, and I'll never forget that number. He is one of the oldest souls that I have ever experienced. <laughs> so that's a lot of lives. That's a lot of lives. Is that in the middle of the amount of lives he's going to live, or is this the next to last life? No, he's pretty close to the end. He's pretty close to not having to come back here. He probably only has one or two lifetimes left. I mean, we knew it from the second he was born, you know? And my son, Austin, who I carried, um, it's become really clear that this is only like his second incarnation here on this plane. But he is an old soul who's from another plane who taught all of us. And they only come here when they really fucking need to. Like, y'all gonna make me put my shoes on and get dressed and go down there and take care of this shit, you know? That's like what it's like for him and like some other really magical and special crystal children. A lot of the healers that are awakening now through pregnancy have crystal children who are essentially here to like save us from the ridiculousness that we're doing that we're not aware of. We've done a lot of stupid shit. Like Donald Much. Trump might be the stupidest thing we've ever done. I, everyone <laughs> who listens to this knows I have to mention repeatedly how much I fucking hate that man. So anyway. I honestly, energetically, the amount of density, <laughs> the amount of wrong turns he's taken to achieve, you know, like it's wild. But I will say one thing that that was really lovely that happened through his presidency. And, and, and I say this consistently, hearts flew and cracked wide open. And a lot of people began, if they hadn't already, to see a lot of the injustice in the world and the lower frequency and vibration that just keeps attracting lower frequency and vibration. And so there was a lot of stillness that happened. Specifically during COVID, there was a lot of reflection and recognition and accountability. And I think that if there's anything that we should be grateful for during this presidency is that, the awakening of the masses to recognize like what love can do and how it can fully change things. That's something that my guides told me. They said, between the years of 2020 and 2025, you either get with the light or get left behind, whatever that means, right? And I think that COVID, you know, and this may sound insensitive and, and, and I'm sorry, but this is the way that my guides communicated things, right? You're either gonna get on board with the light and recognize what that means and fully take a look at yourself and start to remove the darkness, or you're gonna get swallowed by the darkness. And spirit has said that so gently that the best way to care for ourselves and to care for the people around us is to look inside and find our own light and amplify it because that will keep us here to keep bringing light. And that's like the simplest way to put it. I have a few questions. I actually want to back up. This is just going back to you said how many lives your sons have had. How do you know that? When you have the Akashic records, you can just ask 
clearly. And if you wait and see and listen, they'll give you the information. One of the questions is like, well, how do you know it's real, right? I'll close my eyes and I'll ask very clearly, like how many lifetimes has Noah had? And then they'll show me the amount of lifetimes and I'll go, okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. And I'll open my eyes to write it down and sure as shit, I look at the clock and it's 1111. It's validation. It's very clear. The universe is like, hey, this is, this is your stuff. This is what you asked for. And there it is. And so I'll know that was real or, you know, similar thing. I'll ask the question. And the second that I ask it, I'll get the image or I'll get the words. And then I'll hear my son go, mama, I need you validation, right? Like it was about him. And here he goes out of the blue, haven't heard him all day. So stuff like that is how I know, but I can ask clearly and just, I hear it. I feel it. And I know it's real because other people have validated things for me and, and through their own experiences. Like, I can't believe you just said that, or that just happened to me yesterday or, and that's how, that's how I, I know. So you keep getting that valid information and then you are able to trust the sources because it's been, ver you've gotten so much information that was verified. So then when you get information that can't be verified, you got it from the same source. You just know. Right. You just trust because it's like, oh, so nine out of 10 things are going to be accurate and like not this one. You just figure that it's real and, it, and it's happening. And then the other thing, the other part of that too, is like lots of times I don't remember even like the questions that I ask. So I write the question and then I write the response. So there'll come another point where I'll ask the question again. Cause like, I didn't remember or whatever. I like write it down. And then I'll be reading my book a month later, going over some notes or looking for something specific and be like, Oh my God, I asked this question twice. And I got like the same fucking answer or a similar image that says the same thing. So also that self-validating through my own notes and things. What are, what are Akashic records? The Akashic records are essentially a vibrational like library in the ether somewhere. And based on people's full legal name, like whatever name they're using on their documentation now, it's very tonal and based on like a vibration and frequency. So there's a prayer to get in. And once I say that prayer with the person's full legal name, all of our guides work together to find that specific journal so that I can read what someone has energetically imprinted in these journals over eons and lifetimes. So that's basically the Akashic Records. It's a library in the ether that contains the journal of everyone's soul documenting everything they've ever thought, felt, seen, heard in one space. Of all their multiple lives, like a record of all their multiple lives. Yes, a, a record of every single lifetime past and future and like not just on this plane either right like many planes any i can just tap into your energy and everything that's ever imprinted it's pretty powerful well the akashic records that i was attuned to it doesn't do like plant animals or any other space besides these very specific humanoid forms on this specific planet. But I wanted to learn to teach the Akashic records and everything that I found out there was like Boku bucks and seemed really ridiculous to me to be able to share this gift with other people because ultimately it's about healing ourselves, raising our awareness and consciousness and doing our part to shift the vibration and frequency of the planet to like I don't know, love or whatever. And so when I found that these people wanted to charge like close to 10 grand to learn to teach people 
to heal themselves. Like, I don't know. That just felt like really insane to me. So I asked my guides, like, show me how to teach people this. And they said, you don't have to go anywhere else. We'll teach you a whole new modality. And they did. And so the modality that they taught me that I'm going to be teaching people actually in three weeks for the first time, like my first real class. It's insane. I'm so excited that you can tap into the frequency in general. So you'll know when someone was water or when they were a tree or a rock or an animal. And my guides have been very clear about how powerful that is. If we can tap into our lifetime as water, could you imagine the level of flow we would have? Are you kidding me? The way we would move around obstacles so gracefully. So it's really powerful. And so I just felt like I, I'm not, I'd never charge people $5,000. Do what you can. And so that's where we're at. So the, the Akashic records that Linda Howe came up with and channeled is very different than the one that my guides taught me and, and, and I've channeled. So looking forward to exploring that more and sharing with folks. And who's Linda Howe? She's a woman who teaches this. Uh, Linda right. Howe is um, basically the person that channeled the original pathway prayer, which is a prayer that's used to access the Akashic records. The system that I that I was taught by my guides is called the Hall of Divine Light. And it's like, basically, if you know Harry Potter and the Room of Requirement, it's essentially like a, the Room of Requirement. But it's more for like, personal healing and personal growth. And it, it, it's actually got like a really lovely frequency that makes mediumship a lot stronger and a lot easier to access as well. So yeah, it's really lovely. But yeah, Linda Howe created, create, you know, created the system. But what that means is her guides pointed her in the right direction and she was able to channel that information. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, <laughs> open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Hi, can I ask all of you listening a favor? Would you mind rating and reviewing my book, WTF Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife on Amazon? Authors depend so much on ratings. They are crucial to the algorithm and Amazon making sure this book is seen. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you. To get it back into some sensitive topics regarding the woman who'd been tragically raped and murdered, have you ever had someone come through who's passed who was a violent person, like a rapist or a murderer or whatever cruel things a subset of humans seem to do, if you have, how they presented, what they said about it. So it has happened, but not, I'll explain. It's happened when I've done past lives where like 
even I myself have been a murderer and a rapist and a killer, right? Because we live many lifetimes and each of them are for our greatest spiritual growth. So something shifted when I killed someone that changed me, right? So that I have experienced like in that sort of way. But also, yes, I have experienced people who were, I guess, rapists, you know, like abusers would be the best way to say it. But energetically here in this plane, like I said, we choose the density of each lifetime. When we are in another plane and when I'm receiving the information from up here, we are pure, we are whole and we are light. So I never experience them as they were in this plane. So I'll have like, let's say someone's narcissistic, abusive father show up in a reading and they're like, I don't want my father to show up. He's a dick. I never want to speak to him again. I didn't like him in real life. I don't want him in my fucking afterlife. Right. And I'm like, okay, all right. But you know, he's not that person over there. And he had to choose this lifetime for his greatest spiritual growth. And he wants to explain. So that has happened because those people, like I said, when we're here in this plane, we don't know who we really are. We're experiencing this lifetime for growth and change to enlighten. So when we go back to the spiritual plane, oh shit, that's who I was? Fuck, fuck. And then they say, baby, I'm sorry. And they always show sorry like this in like sign language. And they go through what they did. I'm sorry I hit you. i sorry I wasn't available. I'm sorry I was a narcissist. I was abusive. So I have encountered those people, but they never feel the way they feel here. They always feel very remorseful, very like, I didn't know. And it's real. I know that. I know they had no consciousness here in this, in this plane. So a lot of it is that. So I have, I have encountered those people, vicious people, mean people um, who have shown me what they've done, but they don't feel that way over here. They feel pure and whole of light, which they are because that plane is all love. It's all love. Do you think it's instant? Like they die? I guess if anyone who's read about near death experiences, apparently everyone goes through a life review where they feel accountable for both the loving and wonder things they did and the horrible things they did. It, did mm -hmm. they just go through the life review and then they're, oh my God, I'm like this completely advanced, wonderful person or being or consciousness, or is it more complex than that? Especially when you take like a really awful person like Hitler, Putin, Trump, after the life review, they come out and they're wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, definitely not. No. There is a, a full ass life review, right? And like, talk about discomfort, right? You ever have somebody catch you in the lie or you ever have somebody say like, this is where you fucked up. Now we're going to talk about it. Oh, there's a lot of that. And that like, you know, for us feels like that. But when we're on the other plane, it's like eons, like lifetimes pass before we're allowed to come back in. There is a series of having to make amends or, you know, you know, how like when you're in the way they're showing it to me, they're so funny. When you're in high school and you take a test and the teacher's like, everyone failed this fucking test. <laughs> we're going to take it again. <laughs> we're going to curve the score, right? Like there, there's this energy of, um, having to review and go over and fix it and say like, hey, teach, like this is where I noticed that I blew it and like, let's find the next lifetime that's gonna allow me to really fix this. And so there is a time of deep, intense review. Like we're not off the hook, right? Cause like we had a test and we failed it. We had a test and we failed it. And so like teacher is not happy with us. Like 
How many times we have to go over this shit, right? So there is like a period of time where we we review and we take accountability and you know they i've i've never fully asked this question so it's interesting because like as i'm asking they're showing me and they're like don't say too much like don't say too much but but it, it, it seems like there's there's like a an inventory that needs to happen and an understanding of why i did this versus this or this versus this and and kind of like getting the approval to try again right otherwise you're kind of stuck in that i don't know they're kind of saying like purgatory but purgatory for us here because of the bible has like a negative connotation but it's just like re-seeing reliving redoing the same shit like we don't really want to do but like what choice do we have it's like going to work every day right that's what it feels like it's that energy like well have to do it right and so yeah there's a period of review and reflection and of owning things and of like i'm seeing like blueprinting right the next plan or the next life to not make the same mistakes but then we get men in black shoved off the edge and said you know someone says good luck we'll see you we'll see you next lifetime literally we don't just like get shoved back in hoping for the best right and lots of us like let's say like you said someone like hitler for example that's a lot of karma right he's not coming back anytime soon right but when he does not much has changed for him. What do you mean not much has changed for him? The review is like, okay, yeah, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. Like a checklist almost. And then like, all right, when you're ready, you're ready. And like, what are you going to do for your greatest spiritual growth? And it's a similar sort of like life. He feels like this is the best way for him to move that blockage or learn. So it's like a similar sort of thing. And like, this is something that souls do. It's the ultimate test. You mean he'd be as evil again when he came back or he'd be presented with the same opportunities and the challenge would be to not choose evil. Correct. That is it. It's the same opportunities. And like, what do you choose now? And then, like I said, we have this predetermined end, right? And like, what do you do to get there? What you do to get there determines who you are this lifetime. And so like the next, like Hitler essentially will be very similar and have to decide what happened. Like, are you going to make this choice to be this evil dictator and heal, right? And not have to do this lifetime again. And we don't have conscious awareness here. We have conscious awareness there. I don't want to do this shit again. <laughs> shit is terrible, but we will. And so he'll have to make that decision. What I just find interesting, what you said about the type of rehabilitation, it's a system and program that works really well here too. You hear of the horrors of prisons versus rehabilitative prisons where you take people who've done horrible things. And I've watched, I wish I could remember the name, but I know I've watched some documentaries and a lot of people that did horrible things going through more of a rehabilitative program or situation they'll just break down in tears and they'll say, I really didn't mean to do that. I was, you know, whatever reason, I was completely numb. I'd been abused my whole life or I was on drugs and not thinking clearly. I mean, not everybody does that. And I'm not making excuses for people who do horrible things. You do something horrible in terms of being a person, I still think you should be in jail. I'm making no excuses for horrible violence. Right. However, the truth is when these people start to face what they did, and I'm sure not everybody, but a good portion, just you hear the, their humanity and Correct. their remorse. Yeah. Other other countries have much better, res, re, I can't say it's a res, 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 right? 
um, Recid- what is it? Recive? Recive. Yeah, you know the word. I can't think of the word, but where people don't keep going back to prison after being released. What we were unsuccessfully trying to say is recidivism. Places like Switzerland and like Norway and like where they put people in the house, right? And like teach them to plant a garden and take care of it. I know that so many times I've driven past the Bronx Zoo and there's a sign that says teach people about things and then they'll love those things and they'll take care of the things that they love. And it's very similar with like ourselves, our our hearts, our well-being, right? If you teach people who probably haven't known how to take care of themselves, probably didn't have anyone helping to take care of them, right? And you give them that information, they can heal and they can learn and not repeat whatever offenses. And this is everywhere, not just like jail shit. This is like the work that I help people with, (laughs) you know? Like if you can have awareness of your pattern here and you can find support for yourself, you can fix it and you can heal and you can get better. And so I agree with you 100%. And that's what it is up there too. Like, do you have awareness of what you did and how you've lived? All right, do you have remorse? Cool, let's fix it. Let's take a look at it. And then we'll send you back when you're ready so you can do it different and like not have to go back because the test is gonna continue to present itself until you pass it. You said we live, we come back, we live many lives. It sounds like from the information you got, it sounds we live close to 2000 before we move on. Now, do we just live in this planet? Anyone who's been following NASA and space exploration, they are finding multiple Goldilocks planets, which means like Earth, like the right temperature for material, complex, conscious life to form and evolve. They're finding multiple Goldilocks planets, multiple solar systems in our galaxy. I assume there's other galaxies. So there's probably tons of planets where just material, conscious life, similar to humans or maybe humans or live. Among those 2000 lives, are they also on other planets? Yep, they're on other planets, other planes, parallel universes happening at the same time as this one. We've been plants and animals. We've been just like, literally just like a ball of energy. You know, we've been so many things. And I guess the best way for me to describe this, I had asked my guides if God was real and if God existed. It was one of the most pressing questions for me. And so they showed me a massive, a five foot tall amethyst if we were looking at it, but much, much more massive in the cosmos. And they showed me this beautiful purple grapey amethyst and they go, this is God in like this huge booming voice. And then they flip the whole thing, you know, horizontally on its side and smash it. And all these tiny little grapey pieces of amethyst are all over the floor and they go, and that's you guys. And so it was this really lovely understanding of like God, what God is, energy, frequency, how it works and how it's broken up into all these tiny little reflections. And when you put them all together, it's just one giant entity. And it's not just here on this plane. It's like the actual cosmos. And so I've seen myself when I've asked many different ways. I know that I come from a place called Mintakin. I don't know if some of your listeners know what that is, but um, many of us are star seeds that our original energy is from other planets, other planes. And because we're just like these energetic beings that can travel because time and space doesn't really exist, we're able to flow in and out of those spaces. 
I have experienced myself as a mother being somewhere else, deep in meditation. And so, yeah, I've been shown that there, and, and here's the other thing, there's this common misconception that like everyone looks like us on these Goldilocks planets, but like they don't. Goldilocks for their their plane, right? Their solar system. So that could mean, you know, eight foot tall, light blue beings that are halfway translucent that you can see their four hearts pumping through their clear chests, right? Like, we don't know what these people look like. We can barely get to the edge of our own solar system. So if we're just thinking scientifically, right? Of course, of course, every sun has who knows how many humanoid type, you know, beings on it. We're even finding like, I don't know, like planet X, right? Like a planet we didn't even know was part of our solar system for eons, right? That all of a sudden like shows up and and throws the rest of us off kilter, right? Um, potentially throwing us out of like this Goldilocks sort of thing, which I think is also part of like this global warming shit, but we can, we can do that another day. And so... Yeah, plant life on other planets and energy and, and how it works. We are too energetically massive to be contained in these tiny little bodies. And so if we're just talking scientifically, there has to be, there has to be, there has to be. And so basing things on science, right? And like real shit. And also what my guides have shown me, absolutely, there's life and energy elsewhere. Another way I like to describe it is we don't know there's life on Mars just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. What do you mean? Because I was, would say, I assume there isn't life on Mars. We're there. We have, we get photographs regularly. Can you see your dad right here like I can? You're not attuned to that frequency, right? And so there's certain planets or certain places or certain things that like we may not be able to see. Our frequency is not attuned to it. Our eyes can't see that frequency of light or that cone. You know, it's not registering because we're just not attuned or aligned with that planet and its vibration and frequency. So maybe we're just missing it. Maybe it appears transparent. Maybe there are people who would be able to see it if they could sit for just a little longer, or actually be in the space and pick up the energy and vibration. So we don't know until we actually know. But if we're thinking about science, of course, of course. And there's also could be life at different stages. I mean, we evolved ourselves, I believe, from like bacteria to, you know, small water things to monkeys onto humans for all we know there's those cells on other planets in bacteria that are going to evolve into humans or maybe they used to be in terms of living on this planet many lives i would guess that there are multiple big bangs big crunches big bangs big crunches and universes dying and repeating and dying and repeating and i would assumes we live lives in universes pre-big crunch or maybe on really advanced planets that we destroyed the way we're very, very depressing the way we're about we're in the process of destroying this one I would assume the destruction of the planet is one of the challenges we're supposed to heal and overcome and I would assume we've destroyed most planets throughout history yep in quote unquote advanced civilizations. I guess I mean, we're an advanced civilization compared to the caveman days. Does that sound right? We live multiple lives through multiple big bangs, big crunches, iterations of the universe. Yep. 
it's very true. I mean, science dictates that, right? And like, so does a lot of a lot of the information that some spiritual healers have picked up. We have done this like earth, you know, cycle many, 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 many times before. We never get it right. And like the earth has its own energy too and its own frequency. And it has to relive shit too. I'm not exactly sure how God or whatever challenges the earth and said, like, did you do something different? But the earth is also experiencing shifts and transitions and growth. Even now, right? It's expelling all of this toxic masculine energy. So we're having crazy storms and natural disasters at levels we've never experienced them before. Like even the earth is discharging all of this lower vibrational frequency. It is like, if we were to pan out on the, on the thing like this long, it's like this close from like blowing up and having to start all over again, like in another cycle. And just so everyone knows, because this isn't most of it's not going to be a video, they are putting their two fingers wide apart, almost to the edge of the screen, and then moving them really near each other <laughs> for close. how close we are. About like an inch. But if you're panned out looking at it, like in the grand scheme of things, we probably got like another, you know, five to 10 million years to like dick around and, and try and sort it out, but we likely won't. Um, and so... Wait, we have that long. Oh, you mean in terms of the sun burning out or in terms of us fucking up? Shifts the earth and has it implode and start over again from a tiny speck. There, When the sun blows up, like there'll still be not necessarily humans because at that point we'll be much more evolved and advanced, but definitely like life similar to how we know it now. The earth isn't far from like reincarnating, reincarnating itself energetically and like starting over again. And we've done that many, 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 many times. Interesting. So you're saying the earth is conscious. One thing I think that's fascinating about the solar system is it to me, I mean, I don't, I tend to not believe in God. I do think there's a mathematical brilliance and energy and not energy, like a mathematical elegance to the universe. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the spin and the of the solar system and the way it all spins and how planets spin themselves with the moon spinning around them and all of them in this perfect pattern around the sun and probably our solar system, our solar system is spinning around the galaxy and multiple solar systems. It's just this mathematical beauty that just, I could see has a consciousness behind it. I mean, it's just too mathematically perfect in many ways with a lot of problems, but I lean a little bit towards the research of Dr. Robert Lanza and a collective consciousness that maybe created this, which is called biocentrism. And maybe some people use God to be describing the same thing. I might just have an aversion to that word because I'm so science-minded, but I guess I could think there's a consciousness that puts it all together. But are you saying you think that like the earth itself is consciousness and material matter is is conscious absolutely anything that has energy natural like life force energy that flows has consciousness absolutely a thousand percent we as humans block our own level of consciousness because we have so much pain and trauma and so many external forces moving in and, and dictating and creating our consciousness to a certain extent when you have something so pure animals you ask an animal when dinner time is and their response is 
when I'm hungry, when it's dinner time. There's no like having to process or think or overthink or anything. It just is. And I think that's what pure consciousness is just like at its core when things just are. And so there's an understanding like within itself. I don't know how else to describe that, right? There's just like, you just know what you know when you know it. And like, that's the earth and the clouds and the rain and birds and everything but fucking humans everything but humans, because we question everything, which is a really lovely, beautiful thing, right? To like question everything and find answers and have to know. But also there's something really lovely about just experiencing things as they are and just knowing that they are what they are. And I think that the earth has a beautiful ability to do that. And water has a beautiful ability to do that. That's why like water can move around things and it's not, it doesn't cost it anything. And like, you know, like there's this lovely flow that just happens when things just know that they are what they are. And I think the earth does that in this really lovely way. And when things start to get complicated and the earth has to think a little bit, it implodes. It implodes. Totally conscious. So I want to ask you about Reiki because we can get into this forever. So first of all, can you explain what Reiki is? Yes. So Reiki is the channeling of life force energy and being able to move that energy within things, right? So like everything that is living has life force energy and I've been attuned and have the unique or maybe not so unique ability to recognize that energy and in essence manipulate it to heal. And it's like, I've had Reiki sessions. It's like when someone puts their hand barely touching you and they realign your energies. From my experience as receiving it. And it's like, I feel the energy and heat sort of pouring through me. It's a, I was surprised when I first had the experience because I was had a Reiki session years ago. I was like a teenager and it was way before I was even studying any of this. And so I didn't, I didn't even believe any of this at this point. I was just a spot by mom and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, so some of you might be hearing this story again, but it was just a very interesting, very verifying experience for me. I just signed up for it because I was like, okay, I'm going to, I was doing daily massages and spa sessions. I was like, oh, I'll try something I've never heard of. And I was like, sounds like bullshit, but I'm curious. <laughs> and it was like this heat, almost like think on like a cold day when you drink the hot tea and you feel it pouring you. It was like feeling like that start to pour in everywhere this woman was working on me and it would stay like this sort of deep meditative heat. And then my right knee had been hurting not badly, like no way any person would have seen. I wasn't limping. It was just a little uncomfortable. And she went over my knee and it was like this searing, shooting pain. And then it was just released. It was gone. And then I felt the heat through there. And at the end of the session, she said, I worked out that energy block out of your right knee. I didn't wince. I didn't react at all. So she wasn't reading any movements in my body because I was so peaceful. Because by the time she got to my knee, like all of my body except my lower legs was feeling completely just filled with peace and this heat. Mm. And then when I got up to walk around, my knee was better. So that's my experience with Reiki. How do you feel it ties in with your work as a psychic medium, if it does? I'll be really honest. Reiki was sort of how it all started for me. Like I was feeling energy, but it was a really lovely way to recognize when I was feeling it and to be able to like control the flow a little bit more. I would have never thought that this would be my life. My ex-wife, her aunt has been, you know, a shamanic healer for 
25 plus years. She's got like retreat centers, healing centers. She takes people abroad to these, you know, energetically charged places. And she was the one that when I first started having some of these experiences, I went to her and was like, what is Reiki? Tell me more. I need help. You know, show me, show me what this is. And she, she explained it to me. And yeah, and, and she attuned me and I started channeling Reiki energy. So, so I'll start by saying that like I never in a million years, like I was the biggest skeptic. I would have never in a million years been like, yep, I can move energy with by laying hands on people and make you feel better. I never, I never would have thought that. Starting to practice and channel Reiki was really interesting for me because of the sensations that I was feeling in my body, similar to what, to what you said, this like heat, like a vibration or like a tingling in the palms of my hands and the crown of my head around the middle of my forehead, my third eye. It's interesting because you were saying before about, I think Edgar Case talks a little bit about it too, right? That, that energetic sort of library that we're all connected to, right? That like documents everything that happens in our in our cosmos through vibration. When I got attuned to Reiki, there was this really lovely understanding of that fully, that we're all connected energetically. And it was really clear the first time that I laid hands on someone and they were able to feel what I was what I was doing. But I never I never would have believed that Reiki was real <laughs> um, if I hadn't actually, one, experienced it for myself and been like, what the whole hell is this? Or two, learned how to channel the energy myself and have other people say to me like, whoa, what the hell is this? And then, like you said, physically be like, that pain in my knee is gone or that pain in my shoulder is gone. That headache I've had for three weeks is finally gone. I think one of the things that people don't realize when it comes to energy and healing and Reiki specifically is the more we hang on to things in our energetic chakra centers, emotional and spiritual pain, it starts to manifest physically. And so if we're able to tap into some of that spiritual pain and move it, when it moves, pay attention and observe what comes up for us random memories, thoughts, fears, joys, and examine those and loosen them. That is the lovely thing about Reiki is that it, it helps to decipher energetically what's holding you back and keeping you stagnant. And then as a Reiki channeler or a Reiki healer and, and teacher, I'm able to more clearly say to people, oh, the reason that you're having this consistent headache is because you're overthinking this specific thing. Or the reason that like you can't get rid of that chronic bronchitis is because this is something that you need to talk about or say. The reason that you've been having bowel issues for the past three years, what emotional shit are you hanging on to and this is what spirit's showing me. So I'm able to sort of like, again, the analogy of the record with the lines and putting the needle on and being able to hear clearly what's going on for, for people. I know I've experienced in my life when I've been in really psychologically unhealthy situations, I feel it physically. And it's been, some of it's been like lifetimes of, of undoing stuff because my schools, as I've mentioned, I think in these podcasts before, my schools and my childhood were incredibly toxic for me. And I feel like I sort of was sensing that I was having physical things like getting sick a lot, lots of strep throat. I, I sensed it was 
based on how unhappy I was at the schools. We're articulating something that needed to be said. And so it manifests and the, the energy in the throat chakra, you know, it stagnates and like you'll lose your voice a lot or, you know, situations will arise where you'll feel like you can't articulate your truth, right? And so then the chronic throat stuff starts. I say to like lots of times people who have abuse stuff, either like physical, emotional or mental, they get a lot of irritable bowel stuff right? Because we, our emotions and our romantic connections and platonic connections, our creativity is controlled through the sacral chakra, which is like our reproductive and gut area, right? So people who have had a lot of emotional, physical, or, um, or sexual abuse tend to have a lot of gut stuff. So this is all stuff that with Reiki, we can take a look at and start to really unearth the emotional shit and baggage that's keeping those energy centers damp. And if you understand energy and science, the way I like to tell people is like Reiki work, right? If you remember like old school DNA, we used to like spit in a tube and they put in a centrifuge and spin the shit around. And then it would lay all these lines out and each line represented something that was very clear. This line means you have blue eyes, red hair, freckles. You're going to, you know, this genetic condition, right? Reiki is the same shit. It basically focuses attention and energy on each chakra, spins the shit out of it to dislodge anything that's stuck. And then just like DNA lines, you can see them clearly. This is the time your dad said this. This is the time your mom hit you. This is the time that, you know, your teacher made you feel less than and you absorbed this energy and made it your own. It's the same shit. And then all we can do is take a look at the paper in front of us that says, these are all the things that make you who you are. And now what do you do with that information? When you're doing Reiki on a person, do you know the traumas that they haven't shared with you that they've gone through? Because I'm I'm attuned and aligned with so many different healing modalities, as well as the fact that I'm clairaudient, right? Like spirit's just going to talk to me all the time, especially if it's information that they feel is pressing for you to have. If it's going to heal you, if it's going to help you, spirit will push that information through. So sometimes... I'll, I'll hear spirit clearly say, look, this is what's going on for this person, but don't tell them directly. Explain it like this, right? Give them an example of this. Tell them this story. Let them connect it and give it to you. Then they're ready to heal. So there have been many instances where, yeah, I've said to people like, listen, can I share this with you that your guides are telling me and it's difficult information. And sometimes, most of the time people will say yes. And those are the people that are really ready, right? And sometimes, occasionally, it will happen where there is still, I'm still met with a lot of resistance. And someone like wants confirmation of the shit that they want to heal, but they just not ready. So, and, and that's fine. And that's fine. Because they have the information now, and they're going to observe. And so, yeah, like when it comes to Reiki and healing people, if I have my own Akashic records open or if their guides are really strong and need them to know, absolutely, I will say your heart is having a hard time. Like you need to let go of that lover 10 years ago because of whatever. Or your sacral chakra is like really stagnant. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you have to let go of that trauma. And I see it. Do you want to fix it? Can we heal it? Let's move in. And so, yeah, I do get a lot of clear imagery, clear visuals, sound, sensation when I'm reikiing people. And I do often ask permission because some people just want the relaxation part of it. They don't want all the extra shit. And that's not what they signed up for. You know, like, I don't want to talk to my dead grandmother. I don't. I came 
so you could get rid of this chronic headache or this chronic back pain. So I do ask permission, but almost always, almost always, it shows up that someone needs to receive a message. Yeah. I wasn't sure which you already answered. I was going to ask, do your abilities all congeal and come together? Or is like Reiki very separate psychic medium? But you answered that. So it sounds like they all kind of come together for you. For sure. Like they get like braided in, right? And like, depending on the person's frequency or energy, I will know better the best way to communicate information with them. So like some people are really visual, even if I'm giving an Akashic record reading, I'm like, hold on one second, let me get my tarot cards and I'll like show them images. And it's like, oh, now I get it. Sure. Your words were like another fucking language to me. But there's some people that are just like, listen to me. And they will, and they're hearing you, right? So the universe will let me know a thousand percent the best way that someone is going to receive information, right? Because it's not just about me communicating it. It's about how to say it so you, so you take it like at face value at its fullest and can use it, you know, for the betterment of like your life and the people around you. Because that's really all spirit wants. They're so loving and high vibrational. Any information that they give you, regardless of how dense and difficult it is, it's for you, it's for your greatest good and the greatest good of the people around you. And so if we can start to get out of our own way and say, oh God, thank you for telling me I'm an idiot. Heard it. We can move on and be better people, man, for ourselves in the world, for sure. That's my guys must tell me I'm an idiot every fucking day. I'm like... <laughs> You and me both, sis. You and me both. Out here clowning every day, making every mistake, and still they're like, all right, well, try again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's probably part of being a human. I'm back in New York. I want to get a session with you. I'm so intrigued. I've done Reiki. I've done a million like psychic medium readings. I've never done the two together. So I'm oh, like, yeah, it's awesome. I want to do that. Akashic Records is, is where it's at, man. It's like... And now we're going to pause for a second for the question of the week. Eric asks, is there anything you would have done differently or any regrets in your research? Um, I don't know if in one sense, I just see a few little things along the way. I wish with the very first medium I went to, I had given a Google voice. I address that in the book. That's really the only thing I would say, oh, I should have done that differently. Nevertheless, she did know stuff that could not have been found out by Googling my phone number. And if she had Googled, she wasn't as good as if she Googled, such as getting like my dad's full name and date of passing and all the public record stuff she could have gotten if she just had Googled. And then I'd say really, like, for a while, I was really considered this a regret and felt bitter. Um, Kind of the whole path that I found the people who helped me, you know, from forever family to the mediums, um, my main mentor, who just was my rock, Fran Ginsburg, passed away. And I really had sort of periods of like, bitterness and regret that this was the path in the sense that I I did go down this path out of scientific fascination. I do think this is the biggest, most remarkable 
scientific discoveries. And of course, I also went to heal my grief. So I felt very, in a way, angry and betrayed. Like, okay, so I go to heal my grief. I find what I would say are like some of the perfect people to help me. And I end up getting my heart shattered again. And I felt sort of if there is consciousness on the other side that are helping orchestrate this, I felt pretty pissed off as if they'd sort of set me up to just be crushed again. But in terms of how I've handled my research, no, I I don't have regrets. And I guess when it comes down to it, despite my heartache of another loss, I wouldn't do it differently where I never had gotten to meet Fran or never had gotten to meet Forever Family and the close friends I've made through it. So that's, that's the answer. If you have a question you want me to answer, send it to hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put question of the week in the subject. I know I usually say first names, but if you want to be completely anonymous, let me know. And feel free to reach out anyway, even if you don't have a question. I can't wait to hear your questions and hear from you. So thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Where can our listeners find you? Currently, I am on Instagram at Soul Mama Magic with a K at the end. And you can, you know, contact me there. And in the bio, there's my LinkedIn where you can find me and all the events and things that I'm doing. And this podcast will be linked there too. <laughs> thank you. And I will link all of, I'll link to your Instagram then awesome. in the show notes. Thank Beautiful. you so much. Thank you. This has been awesome. get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to wtfjusthappened.net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore or email me at hello at WTF just happened.net. And remember, You don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened.